Welcome to Fear the Fro. Shot blocked by Mobley. Holy Mobley. Donovan Mitchell is eight for eight from downtown. There he is, Garland. Hit it from Euclid. Lob to Allen. Pow. Oh, that was gorgeous. A Cleveland Cavalier podcast. What do we need to add? What do we need to give coach? The game has come down to space and opportunity. We address that. Hosted by the voice of Fox Sports Radio. Yeah, his name is Bob Schmidt. Bob, Bob Schmidt. Schmidt. Spectacular talent. That guy is a legend. Got at the buzzer! Hey Cavs fans, welcome to the Fear the Fro podcast. This is a midday edition because of taping, timing, concerns, and whatnot. Now, I realize most of you will not hear this podcast until the Trailblazers have played the Cavaliers. So, just to explain to you what's happening here, I got a chance to speak with a man I like very much, a Portland Trailblazers podcast host. His name, Danny Morang. And uh, he hosts the Jack Ramsey's podcast. We talked a lot about the Portland Trailblazers. And what would make most sense is for you to hear this prior to the game. So I'm releasing it now, despite the fact that I'm going to release another podcast in the post game, and you may wake up in the morning and see there's two podcasts, one from before the game, one from after the game. I understand if you don't like to get this deep into things, but I find it interesting for me, for me. If you just want the post-game reaction pod, skip ahead to that. But if you want to hear a little bit of a conversation about the state of the Portland Trailblazers, stick around. I think that the kind of diehards that most of the Fro listeners are probably enjoy this type of thing. It gives us a chance to talk about more than just our struggles. And sometimes somebody else struggling more than you makes you feel better. Does that make me a monster? Sure. But come on. Deep down. Come on. So anyway, joining me on the podcast is uh, the host of my favorite Portland Trailblazers podcast, the Jack Ramsey's, along with his co-host, Brendan Sprague. And he's also uh, the host, the co-host, as it were, of the Danny and Dusty show on 1080 The Fan in Portland. So this is a man immersed in the Portland Trailblazers daily, joining me to discuss his team, the future, etc. Danny, thank you for taking the time. Hey, anytime, brother. Appreciate you. So my first question for you would be, a lot of turnover this summer. Uh, the identity of the team shifted dramatically. Have you noticed, obviously, expectations are going to change, but has there been a different vibe this year? For sure. It's taking some time. Um, I, I, I'm not trying to like toot my own horn here, but I kind of started laying the groundwork for this around July, like right after the Dame trade request. Like, they're going to go young. They're going to be bad. You're going to lose a lot. You're not used to this Portland. You've never gone through this. Prepare yourself. This is going to be different. And then, you know, they win a couple games to start the season. Like, oh, no, they can, see, they can be a play-in team. And it's like, no, no, you sweet summer child. No, they can't. <laughs> <laughs> and that's before the injuries start piling up. And the injuries of the point guard positions just started piling up. And it's like they're in a position where they're – like I had somebody um, – tweeted me the other day of like you know i was kind of irritated at you this summer when you said to like not care about wins because that's what you're supposed to care about but if you if you take that out of your head and you try to like accept that moral victories are okay in a rebuild and all the little things it's like it's so much more fun i was like yeah that's because you've had 10 years of damian miller where literally every single night you knew you could win every night they don't have that right I feel like the fan base is mostly coming around. There's still some holdouts for sure, 
but there's this acceptance. First, it was like first couple days or first couple games of the season was Scoot and Shaden must play 48 minutes and get every touch. And now it's kind of like they're understanding what developing young players, like featured young players really looks like. So it's been kind of fun to, to go through that with the fan base and kind of walk them through like, okay, here's how you watch a bad team play basketball and don't want to blow your brains out. You mentioned how you watch a team play and, you know, the role for, I know Scoot's out, but Shaden mm-hmm. has definitely, partly because of these injuries and partly because of the departure of Lillard, I mean, he's leading the league in minutes. Uh, his usage is basically doubled. Uh, yep. Now he has to facilitate more than he ever had to facilitate yeah. because Simons and Scoot and, and, and even Brogdon, they're out. What are Everybody the early returns? Yeah. Yeah. So I got to imagine that's exciting in some ways, because when we were rooting for progression through building, it's a luxury in one sense to be able to see how much a guy can truly do what he's ready for. I'm wondering what you've seen early in this season that's surprised you or I mean, maybe you saw it coming. What's happening here? I think it's a little bit of both. Like everybody knew Shea was talented Um, at the end of last year. I mean, they tanked and they they gave Shea in the ball and Anytime you do that in March, how much it really translates, you're always kind of like, eh. There's uh, Seth Partnow, who is the director of analytics for the Bucks and does work for the Athletic now. He's he's pretty much categorized all that stuff. There's there's research behind it that shows that that end of March period when teams are tanking and young young players are playing more isn't really indicative of you know future projections. There's stuff in there for sure, but there's it's not a straight line correlation. So. I wanted to see what it looked like in a in a in a place where he was going to be looked at and be focused on and be on scouting reports. He's not passing it with flying colors, but he's doing more. And you know, I've asked other players in the team, and they kind of when I've asked about him, they kind of give the wide-eyed like, mm-hmm, he's got it. Like his natural talent is so overwhelming that with the IQ stuff and the ability to read the floor and the pacing, if it all kind of comes together, he can be truly something special, but there's also limitations. Like he's, he's baby Jalen Brown right now. Uh, he doesn't have a left hand. His handle's not as tight as it needs to be. And again, he's 20 years old. As of now, those are like the marks of like for not only analysts, but for fans to watch, like let's see where he's at now. And let's see where he's at at the end of the year. Those are the things that have been fun. Um, as far as like the macro, the box score stuff has been really interesting because last year he was really only contributing in points. Uh, last night he, uh, you know, they play against the the uh, Jazz, yes, yeah. and, he, and he had a bad night. Like he's playing a ton of minutes. Again, he said he's leading the league in minutes. He's playing at altitude. He's number one in the scouting report um, as their creation guy. He's not attacking second sides anymore. He's he's the guy trying to get downhill. And he got beat on back cuts. He turned the ball over. He's dealing with a thumb injury. Just Everything just looked tough. And then you look up, and he still has, was it, seven assists and eight rebounds. So he's finding ways and getting the free throw line. At one point in time, I think he finished with 12 free throws. I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. Yeah. He at least had 10. That was a stat that, uh, so I was watching the game last night, and uh, I saw the Haberstroh stat, or the Haberstat. Yes, or the Haberstat, yeah. And one of the things I found interesting was, outside of Joel Embiid, I mean, he's generating more fouls than basically anybody on his... On drives. On drives, yes. yeah, on drives. Yes. And that's the thing is, um, his free throw is double. Like, he has a very good free throw rate in general. I believe it's like 0.32. Like, if you're a 0.3 free throw rate guy and you're scoring 20 a game, you're you're doing it 
Like you're you're getting it done as a free throw generator. For reference, CJ McCollum historically has been the worst free throw generator in modern NBA history since I believe 70, 70 71 was when I was tracking it because it's the beginning of the Trailblazers. Um, his career free throw rate is literally half of Shaden's, 0.16. Um, if you're that as a 20 point per game score, it means you're just not getting the line, which coincidentally enough, CJ McCollum is having a career best. Right. He's free getting to the rim. Game. I mean, it's a similar yes. story to it's, Donovan Mitchell in Cleveland. But with Shaden, the thing about him is, is that it's a percentage that he's, he's getting fouled. On. He's not driving like shit, you know, SGA, like he's not getting down the hill 40 times a game. A lot of that is he's not trusting his reads because he doesn't know how to. His handle isn't good enough, or and and or he doesn't trust it. Um, one of the things I wrote on Shaden uh, about a week ago was his uh, through seven games, every single I, I charted every single pick and roll that he had with Don, DeAndre Ayton. He only had like prog- progressive passes, i.e., passes that weren't horizontal. I want to say six times, barely ten percent. And then he had five passes that went to DeAndre Ayton on a roll. If there's a defender there, even in drop coverage, he's not looking to press the advantage. He was settling for that mid-range pull-up. Now, he's one of the better mid-range shooters in the entire league, but he's looking at it from path of least resistance. He's still working on the if X, then Y. But when he does and he gets to the if Y, then or if Y, then Z, it go, you go, ah, there it is. But you also see him make mistakes the most when the decision tree starts branching out further and further and further because he just hasn't been there. One of the things I thought was interesting, and admittedly, I haven't seen every Blazers game this year, but I've watched the last handful since Skylar Mace has had to play a more significant role. I find his story interesting in part because I, I, I somewhat see parallels. A couple of years ago, the Hawks kind of gave up on Brandon Goodwin. He ended up coming in to our team, having to play some mm-hmm. games when all of our guys were down. Skyler Mays has been in your system now for at least the better part. Well, he played garbage time last year, those final yeah, six he, games. Yeah, he came, came in at the end of the season to kind of And put up some, some good numbers. I remember yeah. almost doing a triple-double in one of yeah. those final six games. And this year, one of the things that I thought was pretty impressive for a guy who, if healthy, will probably be sparingly used at best, he has generated a lot of good looks for other people, even if he's he's a little bit cautious, I would say. I don't think he presses. Oh, yeah. But I will say, only a turnover and a half and averaging double-digit assists in these last That's few 37 games. 37 assists in his last three games. Very impressive. I was wondering what your thoughts were on Skylar Mays. Am I just overreacting to box no. score numbers, or how have you felt about his play? Skylar Mays is a legitimate NBA player. He's not even a fringe NBA player. So the problem is with guys like Skylar Mays is do a quick run through your head. Think about a point guard that can't shoot off a dribble. You're not going to find one because teams aren't willing to give point guards chances, whether, whether as uh, starters or off bench or deep bench guys, if you aren't an off the dribble shooter and or creator. Skylar Mays is more Chris Paul, Steve Nash, John Stockton, Chauncey Billups than Damian Lillard, Steph Curry, Donovan Mitchell, Darius Garland. Garland probably profiles more as the creator type than anything, but he still is a guy who will pull up, you know, from 28 feet and knock down threes. That is not Skylar Mates. Not only that, Skylar's not nearly as athletic as those guys. Skylar's about 6'1", but he is a guy who, he's more Andre Miller. His entire game is predicated on his speed, his pacing. It doesn't matter how fast, how strong, whatever you are, he doesn't care. You're going to play at his speed. He's got an incredibly tight handle, but it's not about the, the how fast it is. It's the pace. It's to get you leaning one way. He'll give you a shoulder fake one way, 
to get you to take a step back to get a better angle on a DeAndre Ayton screen. He dictates, and his assists are not, I'm going to drive and then kick. His assists are, I'm going to create a good look for you. And that is just something that is entirely lost. It is a lost art. There are plenty of shot creators for individual players. There are almost no team shot creators anymore in the sense of, I'm going to just do what I do and it's going to generate a look. And I know where that look's going to come from because you're going to do this, 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 and this. And that's a basketball IQ and an understanding and a nuance that does not exist in the NBA anymore. And that's why that guy will play as long as he wants to because his game isn't predicated on knocking down 30-footers, dunking on dudes, or being able to break somebody off and pull up from wherever he wants to. Andre Miller is quite literally the only comp that I can make to him that people will understand. In the Jazz game, it seemed like he already has a pretty good rapport with Aiton in terms of knowing how to get him the ball. Yes. And one of the things Aiton. it feels like with Aiton so far this year is that there's a lot of those foul line mid-range shots. And then later in the game, when they tried to front him with Lowry, he just tossed it over the top. I- I'm curious, as it speaks to Aiton specifically, I mean, yeah. I know his numbers aren't as prolific as some people may have expected, but his usage is way down. But his mid-range efficiency, his ability to kind of pull people away from the rim, still seems there. The rebounding's up. The defense seems solid. I'm curious how people feel, because there's a lot of weight on your shoulders when you're the guy, the centerpiece of a Dame yeah. trade. So the big thing is with him is that the, the the plan A was to run Anthony Simons, DeAndre Ayton, pick and rolls. Ant gets injured quite literally at the end of the second quarter in the first game of the season, ends up having surgery on his thumb. Scoot Henderson is not ready to run an offense yet. Malcolm Brogdon's more of a score first, that that kind of guy we're talking about, the anti-Skyler Mays. Not that he can't run an offense. He was a sixth man of the year. Like He can very effectively run an offense. It's just a different style. DA needs to have shots set up for him. I believe, I want to say it was 75% of his shots were set up in, in Phoenix. The Blazers were going to have some effective creativity with, with Anthony and, and Malcolm to being able to kind of counterbalance and things. Not only that, the gravity they would create that would allow DA to work. So they can't just straight post DA, number one, because it's not what he does. But number two, there's nowhere to work. Teams, two weeks into the season, teams are like, oh, this is the worst shooting team in the league. We're going to play under and pack everything. So as soon as DA posts up, if he has a mismatch, they're doubling. Teams don't care. They're, we're doubling him. We're going to make sure that they don't beat us from outside. So the last couple games have been better about finding D.A. in those pockets around the free throw line. Nikola Jokic is the best mid-range shooter, not only big, but just in general. Best, best mid-range shooter in the NBA, hands down. Um, Kevin Durant has been the best mid-range shooter maybe in the history of the NBA, but Jokic might have even surpassed that with the stuff that he's doing right now. But if you take those two out of the cat, out of the, out of the group, DeAndre Ayton's one of the three, four best mid-range shooters, not just among bigs, but in the NBA. One of the highest volumes in mid-range. And he shoots over 50%. He's got incredible touch. Uh, he goes up incredibly quick. The only issue I have with him is sometimes he takes his eye off the ball and has a little bit of brick hands. But they're starting to integrate him more over the last three games. He's, his scoring has gone up, up, and up. And when it finished with 22 or 24 last night. 22, yeah. Um, they, they found him for lobs. They found him a little drop-offs for dunks. Um, they got him going in the mid-post. He likes to get to his left shoulder dip right hook, which, again, has incredible touch. Uh, He's pretty good at that, using that inside left elbow, just to kind of yes, just clear a little space, yeah. then go over. Like he doesn't have like this incredible depth of post moves, but what he does have, they're very effective. And his his touch is incredible. 
I mean, there's bigger, better centers supposedly in the NBA, but when he's played sure. the Cavs, I'm just hoping it's a result of, well, Phoenix had so much more talent around him that he kind of got overlooked. But he when is. You, when you give him space, that's the thing is, if you give him space to work, he will murder you because you're used to giving the big that eight to 14 footer because most bigs cannot, cannot and will not it. take it. But Aiden, Embiid, uh, Jokic, you give them that shot, they are going to murder you. Yes, they have zero three-point gravity with Brogdon and Simons out. Like, it's just, it is what it is. So they're trying to use gravity differently by getting those kind of soft spots, moving Aiton around. If they get in a half court, they're bad. And to be totally fair, their transition to execution has been terrible. Like, it's 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 a very, uh, when we got done here, I'm going to go take a look and take a look at their weighted minutes. I did this last year. I believe they were third in the NBA, third youngest team in the league behind Detroit and San Antonio in weighted minutes played. Like you take a look at Milwaukee last year, they were just under 30. The Blazers were just over 25. And that's with 32-year-old Damian Lillard, 28-year-old Jeremy Grant, 29-year-old Yusuf. Oh, wow. Their average weighted age is going to be probably the youngest in the league. Well, we got to talk about, too, one of the a new addition to your starting lineup last night. This is a guy who hey, Cavs fans. Two mania. Yeah, exactly. Dayton guy. <laughs> uh, and, and shares some interesting comps in the sense that, you know, the Cavs fans are very excited about Imani Bates, a late second-round pick. Mm-hmm. And I was looking at, Tumani's profile, and I, not only to realize, oh, he won a few picks later, and now he's in the mix there. They sat down Tybal. I don't know if that's more matchup dependent, but the analytics on Kamara so far have been crazy. I'm curious what you've seen and your thoughts early in this season on him. Tease has been good, but Tease is better as a 2-3-2. Two, two, um, for those that are wanting Tumani's nickname is 2. Two's, two's world is more 3-4. He's more big-bodied wings which is something Portland has lacked a ton of. I want to say he's in a 95th percentile in on-off percentages. Oh, the, the Blazers' point differential is like 21.4. You take out garbage time and he's over 20. Yeah. It's crazy. He, it's bonkers. And, and, and it is because of his defense, because his offense is bad. That's going to be the difference. Like, Is it going to be like a, a wing version of Tybal, Or is he going to have something else? Like, He needs to find a way to either be like a 35, 36% three-point shooter or the ability to be a, a guy who can play in like four on threes or attack closeouts or um, be more efficient in transition. But that's down the road. He's Portland's best wing defender. He gets it, man. That's an exciting addition. It's not bad. <laughs> yeah. I'm hoping for the guy's success simply because you were a must-follow uh, all summer long due to the you know Damian Lillard speculation. <laughs> And there was a lot of Heat fans that were eager to just dismiss the whole package. So anybody uh-huh. that wasn't co- expected to contribute that's coming in and kind of mm-hmm. swinging some of this narrative, I'm all for. Because there's nothing oh. more pleasant than reading quote tweets of you dunking on people uh, <laughs> at Danny Morang. I, I had my fun. And I, I didn't I didn't even unloaded the clip yet. I had like 300 bookmarks and people just going absolutely out of their way to be ridiculous. I'm just like, look, man, I'm just reporting what I'm hearing. Don't be mad at me. That doesn't match the water carrying that your reporters in Miami are doing. Uh, as it pertains to two real quick, I called uh, folks in Phoenix after the deal. Cause two worked out here and he had kind of a so-so workout. And I asked the guys in Phoenix, like what, what they thought about him. And they're like, we are pissed that you're getting him. Like they, they saw the same thing. Like, Oh, he was going to be a guy that Could, honestly, yeah. Phoenix probably would have started him. Oh, wow. Just as a, another, as a defensive guy who doesn't need touches and a good he's, offensive rebounder. For, oh, he's a he's yeah. a monster on the glass. Yeah. Also, giant a hole, which <laughs> I've I've have talked to people who about him in college. 
They've all said the same thing. Nicest guy ever. Wasn't an instigator at all. Don't know what got into him. Don't know if his agent or his coaches or somebody told him, look, you want to last this league, play defense and go be an instigator. He well, maybe he saw Draymond off. Green dominating the headlines. Oh, my God. He is pissed off somebody on the team every single night. Somebody has thrown an elbow, you know, chicken winged him, pushed him, uh, got in his face every single night. He's, he's fun, man. I'm really eager to see what he turns into. This seems like a good place to transition to a general topic, which is dominating the headlines, which I wanted mm. to get uh, your comments on. I want to play you something. I want you to tell me your thoughts. I don't want to coach you into anything. I just want to mm. hear your reaction to this clip. Steve Kerr talking about the incident that took place between Draymond Green and Clay Thompson, Rudy Obert, McDaniels, about his interpretation of events. Now, you know, for context... I want to play the clip just so that the podcast people can hear it, and then I want to hear your reaction. There's no way Clay Thompson should have been thrown out of the game. I mean, he's running up the floor, and he, the guy grabs his jersey, and he's pulling on him, and so Clay pulls back, and uh, no way Clay should have been ejected. That was ridiculous. So I was upset about that, and then uh, the Draymond piece of it, um, if you watch the replay, Rudy had his uh, hands on Clay's neck, and that's why Draymond went after Rudy. And uh, that's I saw one replay um, right after it happened. Um, the guys on the back of the bench were telling us uh, <clears throat> that Rudy had Draymond uh, or had Clay, and that's why Draymond went went at Rudy. So that's all I all I know. Um, but it was, yeah, a bizarre way to start the game a minute and a half in. Your thoughts? Everything about that last night, from Joe Lacob down to the newest fan of the Warriors, just need to shut up for a week. You got nothing. Clay instigated, putting his hand on Jade McDaniels' throat. Yeah, he grabbed then, his jersey first. Yeah, to hear them describe like, it that way, I'm like, what are we like, doing? What are we watching that you willfully go out here and lie every press conference? <laughs> Do you have no shame? None no, at all. No. Look, I get it. You go to bat for your guys. I, I'm not going to disagree with that. You always do, which, to be entirely clear, uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves uh, will never win anything. I don't care how good they are this year. They will never win anything. The way they reacted to their teammate getting choked out last night tells me everything I need to know about this. Why can't a deep bench guy just run in, haymaker the dude? He'd be a hero. He would be yes. a hero to yes. everyone, not just Timberwolves fans. I would I'd buy his jersey. I'd put it up behind me while I'm doing this podcast. I might go to video just so that I could show people my undying support for whoever that hero is. But nobody does. Pat, Pat Beverly on his podcast, I, I was watching it when I was at the doctor a couple hours ago. He's like, can't believe it. Can't believe it. Cat, I taught you better than that. Cat you gave the weakest it? choke attempt oh. in response. And he to gave, gave like this weird, yeah. like, mm, mean mug face. Yeah. And Ant Edwards, he's supposed to be about that life. He wasn't about it. Where is somebody? Yeah. Mike Conley's too old. Like I'm not. I'm not mad at Mike. Mike's sitting taking over him several minutes to get over there. Yeah, he's like, oh, I'm gonna get up and deal with this. Nobody. I don't yep. care how much you don't like Rudy. Look, I've been on teams where other guys I didn't like, but if somebody else from another team did something like that, something's happening. My disappointment in Rudy was not that he didn't respond to the choke, but that when Dre got kicked out. Donovan gave him the the peace sign and said, mm. fuck out of here. And and it was subtle, but it got picked yeah. up, of course, by the courtside camera, so it lives in internet infamy. Whereas Rudy, I mean, give him a wave. Something. Something. Like, you can you can dunk on him all you want. I will say his post-game quotes made me chuckle. Wow. Beautiful. But come on, give him something in the game. Wave yeah. him goodbye. Blow some smooches. Something. At the time we're taping this podcast, they have not announced a suspension 
Where do you no, think wait, it comes down? Look, I, I thought they were going to go soft, like three, five games. Same. Like, I was, they, but like, I've rethought that. But I've rethought that because the Woj tweets, like they're, it feels like that Joe Dumars is getting ready to be like, yeah, no, this is a repeat, repeat customer. The last time we heard the repeat customer was John Morant, and they hit him with 25. I think he may be looking at 15 to 20. We're, then we're getting into the job, Miles Bridges level of suspension. I wouldn't be shocked though. When I heard uh, Mo Wagner, he got four for coming off the bench and doing, and mm-hmm. that was with no prior history. Yeah. So I'm expecting now. Well, initially I was right where you are. I was thinking yeah. like maybe four, three to five, three to five somewhere in there. It's Draymond. Like now he's gonna I'm get hit with multiple. Eight to ten. That's what I'm hoping for. I would. I'd be satisfied with eight to ten if they give twenty. I, go, I, I will. I'll more. buy season tickets for the Trailblazers. Even like I will support <laughs> the NBA in whatever fashion is possible. I think they go more. I think they go over ten because everybody's just going to go. Oh, ten's too much. Da 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 da. And I think I'm going to look at that and go. You know, Adam Silver just did that podcast with JJ Redick about how we need to set the tone and how we don't want the discourse to be about everything off the floor and blah, 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 And then blah, Kendrick blah, blah. is spanking a studio chair. Maybe going full David Stern here and going, you know what? I'm not limp-wristed with this stuff. Adam Silver is too busy being concerned with being liked as opposed to doing what needs to be done. And you can say what you want to about David Stern. He put the game of basketball in a better position than it ever was. I don't know why I can say the same thing about Adam Silver. It does feel like he's trying to rein it back in with the and whole the management like, thing and some of that other yeah. stuff. Yeah. He's, you know, he's, 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 you know, going full guns up time for me to turn back into the old me kind of a situation, going full David Stern with it. And that's the thing I'm like, is he going to do it now? Will Joe, Joe Dumars do it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Joe will do it. Will Adam Silver sign off on it? Mm, we'll see. I hope so. But I often I, wonder though, because everybody's just, he's such a media darling. And I'm like, I hope they don't hedge it because yes. he has this presence on TNT and on the mm-hmm. Cowherd and the podcast network and, and all, yeah, that. all that stuff. But also, the Blazers hold the rights to the Warriors 2024 oh, yeah. draft pick. Top four so, protected? Is that right? Yeah, top four protected. That's it, okay. baby. I have a hard time believing that Draymond Green is the linchpin. I, I think losing him is a blow, but still, really, Curry coming back. I'm like, Knock okay. him down, though. Yeah, Knock one peg at a time. Pegs. Who knows? Yeah, look, yeah. I'm all for it. Yeah, so, that, yeah, okay. Well, we pretty much landed on the same place on that i just i have done the last two podcasts in a row have seen significant time dedicated to draymond green and i just i needed somebody else to be throwing the arrows instead of me (laughs) for a change here's the thing and i love dray like i like but the problem is you you don't get the good without the bad I cannot sit back and have people tell me time and time again, well, he brings this much-needed element to the team. It's like he could do all those things without the cheap shots, without the endless abuse of the referees. It's the same with Dylan Brooks. They can't do it. They they, they cannot separate the two. Like, with Draymond, I at least respect it because it's led to a ton of winning. I'm just, I'm a bitter Cavs fan in the sense that I'm like, you know what? There's too many games Steph has missed where Dre doesn't play. It's like, let's see you stand on your own. 9% 9% of the games Steph has missed over the last like five years or 74 games, Dre has been thrown out. Brilliant. That's an insane 9%? Brilliant. That's an insane number. Sit down, Haberstroh. <laughs> that stat is what I want to hear on the broadcast. Now, shout out Dan Feldman. Dan Feldman was what had it. Seven out of 74 games. I was just like, that is bonkers. But that's also Dre knowing Steph ain't playing. I don't play. Danny, I can't thank you enough, man, for taking some time 
uh, to talk about the Blazers. And I'm hoping. Hey, it's our brother. Yeah, I'm hoping that uh, I know this this first matchup is one where you guys don't have much anybody. We don't have Darius, but round two will hopefully be a much more you guys thrilling game. Yeah, I hope so. It's a little bit gloomy here in Cleveland Cavs fandom. I mean, you are going to find many people who are bigger fans of the Cavs team out here than me. Particularly one, I love Donovan. Two, I love Darius. Three, Evan Mobley is my second son. So um, USC. I, I yes, fight on maybe. I won't be pulling for the Cavs, but I'll be nodding along with uh, Evan Mobley having a good game. Yeah, like a silent, like you start to clap and then you rein it in and you look around. Yeah, just I'll, I'll just, just like I said, just a, just a little. Yeah, well, not just a little little wink. I know. <laughs> So basically, Cavs fans, what he's saying is he's, he's, he's rooting for us. He can't say it publicly because his platform is made upon the backs of the Portland Trailblazers. It's true. But, it's true. okay, well, Danny, thank you, man. I wish you the best of luck the rest of the season. We're going to chat again. Anybody who doesn't follow Danny, you should. It's at Danny Morang. It's definitely entertaining, if nothing else. There's just some people who have an innate ability to get under the skin of other people, and you get the type of interaction I can only dream of. When we, uh, like, I, I put up a song, it's about mm-hmm. Draymond Green, and little to no response. And I put hours in, and I'm like, come on, man, I'm trying. The stuff that I put the least amount of effort into yeah. is the stuff that Your flippant back. dick remarks have far yeah. more run than yeah. something that I committed. It's a oh, music oh, video, four, and I, you know. 4,000 words. Now, this is a, I may edit out this question because this is a real, you know, behind mm-hmm. the scenes type question. Have you seen a, a market difference in listenership from, you know, when you're considered a more contending team to this rebuild mode? It's different. My my overall numbers are are, are about the same. I can see my audience shifted. And that's, that's a real thing because uh, I can see the, the demographics and everything along with that. That That is a real thing. A lot of the older folks are steering away a little bit, but my younger audience is steering more in because, I mean, once you get much older than me, like people are pretty anti-tank. Yeah. Uh, like I only got it, limited time left. If I'm going to spend precious yeah. time before I die, it's not going to be with the tank. On a really bad, yeah. yeah. Or sorry, so I said 76ers it, it, instinctually. I meant Blazers. No, no, no. <laughs> hey, look, the, the Blazers have one guy. Jeremy Grant was on those those, yeah. those process yeah. Sixers teams. Well, so that's my boy, Syracuse. When something remotely big does happen, you don't get as much of the boobs. Gotcha, gotcha. So well, it's, it's, it's interesting to try. You need Draymond to choke one of your guys out because then everybody will be paying attention. Okay, thank you. Uh, I won't take any more of your time, uh, but... Blessings upon you, sir. And uh, I, you, if, sir. I, I look forward to talking to you again. Again, it's the Jack Ramsey's podcast. He's also on 1080 The Fan, does three hours in the trenches every weekday. Danny Morang, thank you very much. Thank you, Tim. So that's it for this pod. I apologize. I would have loved to put this out a full day beforehand so you had a chance to kind of digest it before the game happened, but I still thought it was an interesting conversation. I don't know where you guys all land on this, honestly. There's times where I think... Just stick to the Cavs. This is what they want to talk about. But I've said this before on the podcast. My feeling is kind of every player around the league is worth paying attention to because they could all end up on the Cavs someday. Or at a bare minimum, it can provide some perspective for when we're feeling shitty about our situation. You can look around and say, okay, there's a pick 52 that's come in and he's contributing right away. For a worse team than us, sure. But There's always unexpected wins, even when you're a team who's traded most of their first-round picks, even when you're a team who's going through these slumps, even when half of your fan base wouldn't mind if JB was standing between that car and Kelly Oubre. 
Because did anybody expect the throw-in and the DeAndre Ayton deal to be making such an impact less than 10 games into the season? I know I didn't. So I hopefully that's not wasted on you guys, but I'll just kind of take my cues from the numbers, you know? Uh, some people like when I say fuck repeatedly. Other people just want meat and potatoes basketball talk. Regardless, I love both kinds. So... Thank you. Thank you for the subs. Thank you for the reviews and the ratings. Getting close. Nearly 50 reviews. Now, we all need carrots to chase, okay? And that's mine. So, trivial? Sure. But I'm the same guy who spent three hours composing a song that got 250 views. So, take that for what it's worth. A special thank you to the Reddit community. There is a, a man who was at the Portland game tonight who has been posting threads about this very podcast. And I appreciate it. I low-key worry that it will turn people against me because I would assume it's me. That man is so nice to me, I would think it's me on a burner, Kevin Duranting these things. And if that's the way you feel, believe me, I get it. But the man's heart is in the right place, and I love you, sir. Look at me. Just a bastion of positivity. Full disclosure, I taped this before the game. So if we lose to the Portland Trailblazers, the tone on my post-game recap will probably be much, much different. Come back next time. Fear the fro. Okay, that's enough. Stop it! This has been another Fear the Fro. It's over. Podcast. That was pathetic. If you enjoyed what you heard today, put it on the highlight reel. Please consider subscribing. Check out fropod.com for more Cavaliers and NBA coverage. That's what's on display here.